0: This is the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. We have a great show for you today with Dan Benjamin. But first, a few announcements about upcoming conferences. First is Canada on Rails, happening Thursday and Friday, April 13th and 14th in Vancouver, Canada. Open to Canadians and non-Canadians. You can register now for $175 Canadian, which is about $150 U.S. dollars. And you can also submit a proposal if you'd like to give a presentation as part of the event. See more details at CanadaOnRails.com. Also, the first international Rails conference official happening in Chicago, June 22nd to 25th. More details are yet to come, but you can check out railsconf.org for the details as they are announced over the next weeks and months. Finally, I want to thank Troy Davis again for donating bandwidth for this podcast. Originally, I announced that he was from the Portland, Oregon group, but turns out he's actually from Seattle, so I take back all the good things that I said about Portland. Thanks again to Troy Davis of Seattle for hosting the bandwidth for this show. My guest today is Dan Benjamin, developer, web designer, and writer. Dan is the founder of Automatic, which can be found at automaticlabs.com. Since 2001, Dan has also been publishing the Hive Logic narrative, which can be found at hivelogic.com. According to his blog, he works in total secrecy, living in an autonomous radar invisible submarine lurking near the Florida coast not sure how he gets internet access out there. He is also the managing producer and system developer for A List Apart. And more than anything, he just likes to host a talk radio show. So I may be putting my own job in jeopardy by having him on this show. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And uh, no worries about that. I think you've got uh, quite the radio voice. So I think you're, you're safe.
0: Well, good. Thank you. So, if Ruby were ported to the Commodore 64, how many boxes do you think it would take to serve a list apart?
1: <laughs> uh probably uh probably quite a few. I think uh I think you know the Commodore 64 definitely was the the pinnacle of of home computing, but uh <laughs> I think you know, I think what uh what we're doing out there with uh with FreeBSD for for a list apart uh, seems to be doing the job.
0: Well, good so You'll stick with that for now. Some, speaking of which, some people were pleasantly shocked when uh, the announcement came down and the site went live and heard that the prestigious online magazine had been rewritten and that Rails had been chosen. Why did you choose a relatively unknown language and a framework for the relaunch of such a big site?
1: Well, you know, I'd, I'd been building web applications in Rails um, for a little while, actually, and um, these are real applications that were being used, you know, in, in a production environment, and I was just really impressed by how effective Rails is as, as both a, a development and a deployment platform. You know, implementing large changes is often a straightforward process rather than a, a cumbersome one, and I really enjoy writing code in Ruby and, and using the Rails platform, and, you know, I think there was a, another motivation um, A List Apart is a site about cutting-edge web techniques, and I really wanted to to build it using a cutting-edge technology. And Beyond that, um, I wanted to use a technology that I wouldn't mind working with um, in in a year from now or a few years from now and uh, that would really grow with the site as uh, the things that that, that Jeffrey and the rest of the team there wanted to do. So Rails was a perfect choice.
0: So you were part of the team that decided that and put that together, what were some of your goals for the redesign of the site?
1: Well, from from the design standpoint, I mean, you know, when you have people like uh, Jeffrey Zeldman and Eric Meyer and Jason Maria working together on something, um, you know, the, they bring a tremendous amount of experience and they, they have a really good sense of what works. Um, you know, fr- from my standpoint, I mean, I was looped into the, the design discussions, but um you know, it really started from from them kind of asking me questions, you know, what can what can we do or can can we do this? Um my my goal for, for the site or for building the CMS was actually pretty simple. Um, I just really wanted to build a system that would enable uh them to to really produce the magazine as easily as possible um, and with as much flexibility and growth potential as possible. Uh, I've been working on A List Apart for a while by then, and you know, in helping to produce the articles and being part of the process, uh, actually being involved in, in producing the magazine um, really helped clarify, I think, what they needed. Um, you know, Jeffrey was able to say something like, we need to fix the way we categorize articles, for example, and I'd know exactly what he meant because of personal experience using the old system. And in a way, I think this is good advice for for people who are designing systems out there for for their work or for a client. I mean, in as much as you can, try to try to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're designing the system for, and you know, build something you'd like to use. So that was that was sort of the spirit that that I approached it.
0: And the previous versions of the site were a lot simpler compared to the technical and definitely authoritative content even I think it even fit in 640 by 480 or something like that the previous width but now it's been expanded cuz sure honestly probably most designers who are reading it have huge screens and can can handle that
1: yeah i think there was some controversy about that uh and and maybe there still is some people love it and some people hate it the fact that it's it's uh, it, it's a certain width it's a fixed width and i think um the the previous site design um, definitely had more of that single-column-type feeling to it, and, and there's a lot more happening here. Um, you know, from from the standpoint, of, uh, technically, behind the scenes, the previous sites uh, were, were ASP, actually. So they're really, you know, this was really a, a complete starting over point, both from the design standpoint, going from something that was essentially one column, uh, to something that was, you know, multiple columns, uh, much larger, fixed width, and uh, and behind the scenes, a, a complete ground up rewrite.
0: And yet, it still made, uh, happened to be pretty simple. The design is nice and clean. It's almost less busy than the previous one, and the content I think is a lot easier to find because there's still a huge archive of older articles and all that kind of.
1: Yeah, that's great to hear. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of it too.
0: Tell us about the other kinds of things you did with Ruby or Rails previously. Did you have previous Ruby experience, or did Rails give you the motivation to say, "Hey, I'm going to check this out and see what's happening?
1: Rails was definitely behind the renewed interest. I'd Actually, I had looked at Ruby about two or three years ago, um, but I didn't really get started with it in, in my daily work or in project work until Rails came into being. Um, I mean, I think Ruby is a, is a Great language for for lots of reasons, and and it definitely appeals to a programmer. I think even a even an experienced programmer, because it's a, it's a clean, compact language. You can express your ideas in your code without having to write you know a dozen lines of comments. The code can explain itself, and this is really great when you're you're collaborating with uh, with other developers. Um, actually i recently shared some some uncommented code with a with a friend of mine who's a he's a developer he doesn't know any ruby and he was able to just uh, read the code as it was without comments and and understand what it was doing um i think that really says something about the language but i hadn't really learned anything about it or or really started to use it until starting out with rails and i think the conventions that that rails introduces uh as a platform, really fits perfectly into the the Ruby picture.
0: Coming back to a list apart a little bit, very popular in the past, very popular definitely with the redesign. In the first couple of days, I saw a post on Tech Drive where it's hosted, and they said basically one light HTTP light HTTPD server uh, for dispatch processes, and you handled you know a couple million visitors or whatever. What kind of things did you do beforehand to prepare for that? Certainly, you must have been expecting it. And did your experience with other Rails sites help out, or did you have to do new things in order to make this site that capable and robust?
1: Well, that, that's a that's a great question, and the answer is is kind of maybe different from from what you would expect. I mean, we tested okay. functionality extensively. Um, you know, starting with just uh, just those of us who were working on it and then opening it up to, like, friends and family uh, for functionality testing. But um, as far as putting it through its paces in actual performance testing, I, we really didn't do any. I mean, I could I could say, oh, you know, I, I was just relying on my own experience as a developer of systems like this, uh, and I just knew what to do, and it was just going to be perfect. But uh, to be honest, there was a lot of finger-crossing uh, when we went live, um, but fortunately there really weren't any, uh, any real issues. The site just, uh, just stood its ground and pumped out pages, uh, the way it was supposed to. And to be honest, a lot of the optimization, uh, came afterwards in looking at how people were using the site and which parts of the site, um, were, were being delivered dynamically versus statically and, and, and things like that. Um, it, uh, it was really, uh, a, a kind of a, hope this thing works kind of situation.
0: So what were the some of the things since then that you've done? Did you turn to caching or uh, did you use maybe the robot co-ops analyzer profiler or other kinds of things, or was it just the straight web logs and uh, server uh, monitoring?
1: You know, it's kind of a combination of, of a lot
0: of those different
1: things. I mean, definitely looking at, at caching helped a lot, especially for things that uh, theoretically you could cache uh, most of the site except for the comments areas it, it wouldn't be a big deal um to to cache almost everything but we're not actually doing a lot of caching and the statistics where where you where you saw you know x millions of hits with only a few dispatch processes and uh, um you know keeping load averages low um you know it, a, a lot of that just came from uh I guess you know the fact that the, the code was really good and, and it was running on good servers, and we were able to to get it out the door and, and deliver it and not see it, you know, fall down. Since then, you know, again, just looking at what seemed to be generating the most activity and and working on that as a direct optimization, just as a direct result of looking at the logs and seeing what people were looking at, um, as opposed to using. External things to sort of load test or or make those determinations for us.
0: So that I guess that says a lot for Rails and, and just deployment that to some extent throw it out there, tweak it afterwards, see how it's being used.
1: Yeah, I mean we. I think Jeffrey and and the rest of the LSDE part team was kind of relying on me to say, you know, yeah, this is this is going to work and. In a way, I kind of, you know, said, "Hey guys, trust me. This will work. This will be great." Uh-huh. Uh, and and I mean, it was great. It did it did uh, go off uh, pretty well. I think, you know, one of, in fact, the only real major problem that we had run into was just an issue with uh, with the way that I was handling sessions. Um, and initially, you know, they were saving uh, not to get too technically boring about it, but they, you know the sessions were being saved on the on the drive, and with millions and millions of hits over such a short period of time, uh, you know we ran out of disk space in, in, in one situation wow. uh, and had to uh, change the way I was storing sessions. But you know that was that was the closest thing we had to a meltdown. And, and really, after that, when that happened, uh, the text drive guys and I caught it and said, "Wow, we, let's fix this right now," and we did. And uh, hopefully, nobody knew.
0: <laughs> well, moving along a little bit when you put that site together or when you're making rails sites now do you like to start completely from scratch or are you do you like to use pre-built components plugins a lot of the new things that are being available in rails there's been a little bit of a debate about the usefulness of that what's your opinion
1: well that's a, an interesting question i think um I mean if there's something out there that's clearly doing the you know the kinds of things that 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 I need if there's it's providing functionality that I'm looking for I'll I'll definitely use it. Um but I'm kind of old-fashioned in a way that I I really do uh, like to 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 roll my own solution when it makes sense and 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 when there's time. I mean I think there there's a good value in in looking at and following standards when they work well. Um if there's a standard library or a component out there that that's clearly solving the problem the right way, um, I'll use it. But there's always a dilemma where you can spend as much time implementing or tweaking something as you would just just rolling up your sleeves and doing it yourself. So I think a lot of the time it comes down to time. How much time do you have, and and what exactly do you need?
0: Speaking of which, your own site at Hive Logic, uh, you wrote that I believe in Rails do you think that's important for developers to get their feet wet by writing their own blog software like that? Or did you have other goals for your own site that you felt like it was important to do it from scratch instead of using a prepackaged blogging software?
1: Well, I've always, um, I've always enjoyed writing software that, that I would use. I mean, that's, that's fun because you can, you can make it do just, just exactly the things you want it to do. Um, and, and to be honest, I really just enjoy writing things in, in Ruby on Rails these days. Um, there's something fun about, you know, building every aspect of something and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a designer, but I, I did the design of Hive Logic, and, and writing the back end for it, um, was, was fun. Um, Hive Logic kind of fills that spot of, I built this whole thing, you know, um, it's also a, a safe place for me to to try things out in a way that I couldn't in a in a more serious uh, production type of site. If I want to experiment with uh, different ways of doing things, and and I do it and and it works great, and if it doesn't, you know, okay, I can I can change it. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, a big project uh, relying on it. it. It can be fun. So for me, it, it was just about having fun with something. Um, but in a way, I, I think it, it is kind of important for for developers out there to. To try their hand at at things, and I think the the best sites out there are the ones um, where you can you can really tell that the person involved in it really has a, a lot of caring about it and caring about the quality of uh, of what they're doing. So hopefully that shows.
0: Now, when we were emailing back and forth before this, you hinted that uh, you know we should stay tuned to Hive Logic and. Big, important, cool, shocking, or surprising things are going to happen. We, do you want to tantalize us with that a little bit, or do we just need to stay tuned?
1: That that, that kind of makes it sound uh, really exciting. No, it's just what uh, <laughs> what I'm what I'm trying to do is is just uh, is just change the focus of Hive Logic to actually be more like what it was in I would say maybe the two thousand to two thousand one time period where. I was really in in a stage where I was learning a whole lot of things uh, and and sharing what I learned and I'm trying to to sort of refocus back on that get back into the the spirit of things that sort of led to the development of the uh, encoder and the rotator and um, really you know it, part of it comes through embracing the the rails development community I think uh, being able to come out with new things whether it's you know writing about uh, you know file systems or or coming out with with code snippets and things like that, um, definitely something that that I want to do more of, and I think the the audience is there for that now more than ever. Um, so it's just it's just a, a goal of mine to to kind of bring a focus back to to the site that for the last uh, maybe year or so just really hasn't had a focus. So, uh, but it's nothing earth shattering.
0: Well, I think it's great just the sharing of knowledge and some Ruby or Rails developers are trying to actually put out code out there, and yet many more are just journaling about their whole process, problems they like, uh run into, new features, whatever, very useful. Well, mm. Rails in particular seems to have a large percentage of designer developers, and from looking at your different sites, it seems like you have a hand in, in multiple aspects of that as well. Do you think there's something about Ruby in particular that attracts multi-talented people who are concerned with aesthetics, or is in general is that becoming a new requirement for web developers to have a variety of skills in those areas?
1: Well, it's interesting. I can I can definitely say that for you know for example Ruby it's a great language to develop with. I mean it's straightforward. It's somewhat unconventional, but it's actually quite powerful. And I think in the same way that uh, Ruby sort of feels right as a language, I think Rails tends to feel right as a development platform. I mean, the things that that you need to do over and over and over, they're just they're just done for you. Um, you can stand up a new application in, in a few hours, and, and when you need to do something really unique, you can roll up your sleeves and, and just write a component to handle it. Um, you know, I think I think for this reason. Uh, Ruby and Rails are, are attractive to people with multiple talents. I mean, designers who are, who are, you know, maybe somewhat newer to development, they, they inherit this great platform that takes uh, a lot of the tedium out of building web application. And at the same time, a developer using Rails, they're free to spend more time on uh, focusing on an application's usability instead of, you know, writing 100 SQL queries. So it's it's kind of the perfect fit for the, the multi-disciplined, or multi-talented person who likes spending time in different disciplines. And that's really the, the beauty of it. I think you can jump from how can this page work right to, you know, to how can this page look without having to, to focus too much on things that are incredibly tedious or time-consuming. I think that appeals to people who kind of have their feet in, in both the design and the, the development world. Um, it, it's a good fit
0: briefly uh what other kinds of projects are you working on now what kind of things can we look forward to coming out of automatic in the future
1: well i think um i think you know right now one of the the, the big focuses uh out there in in the world is definitely on um on sites that are collaborative um things that you can uh you can come to and and really enter into i i hate to you know it's such a cliche to say it's an online community. I mean, I, I never want to hear that, but but actually the the, the, the building of, of sites like something that, that starts out, like Flickr, for example, something that starts out as, here's a neat way to, to put some pictures online and, and grows into a community, something that kind of encourages and fosters people to say, hey, this is cool, check it out. Um, those are the kinds of things that that I think uh, are, are what people are focusing on and those are the kinds of projects that uh that I'm looking at too and I think um I think down the road there's some neat uh neat opportunities to contribute to um to to sites that put that kind of community focus uh first
0: well thanks for taking time out of your day to chat with me and the listeners appreciate that that it's
1: great to be here thanks for having me
0: Well, this has been the Ruby on Rails podcast, and tune in next time.